Hello and welcome to the 25th episode of Inside the Brain Of, where I'll interview a movement specialist to get inside their brain and try to understand how they incorporate neurokinetic therapy into their approach to patient or client management. My name is Eric Nelson. I'm a board-certified sports chiropractor and NKT instructor. If you're listening and you're not an NKT provider, hopefully this podcast will give you some insight as to what NKT is and how you can utilize it to help your patients or clients. Make sure you check out the Inside Your Brain Facebook page and like it and feel free to share that with your friends. And also keep in mind that these podcasts are available for free on iTunes. Now, not only is this the 25th episode, it's also the one-year anniversary of my podcast. Pretty excited about that. It's been an amazing year, and I've, inter- I've enjoyed every interview I've done. I've learned so much from each of my guests. In fact, maybe next episode, I'll provide a little recap of some of the people uh, that I've spoken with. Uh, the feedback has been uh, wonderful. And I've got some great suggestions about who to interview next. The lineup is looking pretty good. Uh, The year itself, uh, 2014, was just a a phenomenal year, both uh, professionally and personally. My business is exploding, and I could pretty much say that's based on my incorporation of NKT into my practice. In fact, I'm hiring a new associate who starts February 1st, so I'm extremely excited to get that going and see what the future can bring. Uh, In fact, I have a physical therapist working for us now. We have a Pilates studio, and everything is just, it's absolutely amazing. And NKT is the glue that binds everything together. Uh, Teaching, I I taught a ton in 2014. It was absolutely phenomenal. I met so many cool people. I went to a bunch of great places. I met a lot of new friends and uh, connected with some old friends. It's always good to uh, meet people in person. Uh, we chat all the time on Facebook, but to actually see someone uh, in person, it was it, w- it was absolutely amazing. So I'm very excited uh, that I had uh, that opportunity uh, there. Uh, I'm constantly, one thing I have to say is that uh, with teaching, that surprised me and impressed me is that the students and assistants have absolutely been amazing. I'm constantly blown away by the knowledge and dedication of the assistants, and I'm extremely grateful for their help. Because the bottom line is, is that the assistants have the ability to make or break the class. And I've been fortunate at enough to have some of the best at each of my classes. So I am uh, forever grateful for all those have helped. I know a few have driven great distances uh, to assist me, and it's been phenomenal. So I'm really looking forward to this year's schedule as well uh, and connecting with a lot of new students and assistants as well. As for the podcast, I've dealt with some sound, uh, some volume issues, and as a result, I upgraded to a microphone, and I'm now using an editing software. I've got the basics down, and I think it sounds much better. Uh, So you can let me know if that is indeed the truth. Uh, One thing uh, on a a personal note uh, about 2014 that really helped me a lot develop was that I discovered the power of audiobooks. Uh, Since my second office is about 25 minutes away from my home, uh, two times a week I'm in my car for around 50 minutes or so, depending on traffic. Uh, So I decided to subscribe to the service called Audible, and it... I think it's definitely one of the best decisions I've made. I thought I'd briefly review a couple of those that I listened to last year. Uh, I know I've mentioned a bunch of them in the past, but I think that they are worth mentioning again. And if you're looking for something, uh, these are definitely a good place to look. Uh, 
Um, one thing that I talk about a lot in my podcast and in life in general is about having a system. Whether it's for learning NKT or even organizing your life, a system is important to succeed. The book Getting Things Done by David Allen gives you a system to organize your life. Utilizing the GTD system with, in conjunction with Microsoft OneNote has been absolutely the best thing I've ever done to organize my life, especially my projects, like putting together seminars um, and PowerPoints and just organizing all my thoughts. I could put it right in a notebook and in a, a specific system that really helps me streamline uh, my development. Uh, another uh, thing that is important, another book that I uh, that I listened to was called The Power of Habits by Charles Duhigg. Uh, developing habits is something that affects every single person. And for example, getting people to follow their home exercise plan is much like getting people to learn new habits. And in this book, uh, it definitely explores that concept of developing habits and how you can help uh, to create some. Excellent book there. Uh, being a clinician requires you to listen to your patient or client. And the book Just Listen by Mark Goulstein teaches you to become a better listener. Definitely gives you some great information. As far as teaching, I'm constantly looking to improve my technique. One book that I uh, listened to was called Rule of the, Rule the Room by Jason Tiedek. Gives you some great ideas on how to become a better presenter. Everything from things to put in your PowerPoint to where to stand in the room. Uh, Gives you some great ideas, things you probably wouldn't think about, uh, and it really helps you fine-tune that. And I noticed some small things that I implemented uh, that really, really helped me out a lot. Uh, Another really good uh, book that I listened to was The Five Elements of Effective Thinking by Berger and Starbird. Teaches you how to become more successful through better thinking. You can learn how to think far better by adopting these specific strategies that they talk about. Pretty amazing, and I reference these things all the time when I speak. Another uh, book that I thought was just incredible kind of blew me away. I, I really just surprisingly picked it up or, or chose it uh, just based on what the review said, and it's called Make It Stick, The Science of Successful Learning by Peter Brown. It teaches you the latest science on becoming a better learner. It gives you specific techniques to learn more efficiently. And some of these concepts uh, totally blew me away. Uh, they're not the traditional way of doing things. And, um, you know, that, that, that you kind of go through life as far as, let's say, studying, you know, maybe highlighting a book, uh, reading it multiple times. Well, there's actually science and research that shows that these are not the best ways to study. And, and he talks all about that, gives you sp- a bunch of examples, and it, it, it really blew me away. So I highly recommend that because uh, I know all of us are constantly lifelong learners, and um, we're always looking to improve ourselves, and that's a great book. Currently, I'm still listening to uh, Mindset, The New Psychology of Success by Carol Dweck. It talks about having a growth versus fixed mindset. It's a simple concept, and it has so many applications from running a business Uh, to learning, to raising children. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, It's really a simple concept, but God, I've noticed so many things in my life that maybe I was a little stuck in in my mindset, a little fixed, and I just changed it, and um, my life has improved dramatically. And I'm talking about my relationship with my wife, my kids, uh, my employees, uh, patients. It's it's just been phenomenal, and I've, I've thoroughly thoroughly have enjoyed um, listening to that book. 
Uh, I'd also be remiss if I didn't mention uh, one of my favorite books that I was kind of surprised to listen to. <laughs> And that was a Star Wars book. Uh, uh, nothing uh, is complete until I mention Star Wars. Uh, but it was absolutely phenomenal. It was called Tarkin. It came out. It was about Grand Moff Tarkin. If you uh, are familiar with Star Wars, he's the guy who commanded the Death Star. It was his backstory. And the book itself was like listening to a movie. So if you're interested in Star Wars, that's the book for you. Very excited for their next book that's coming out. But that's a whole other story. So, again, Audible Books. Great way to go if you have some time, you're in your car, uh, you can put it on your phone, however you want to do it. It's 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 absolutely phenomenal, and I'm excited to get my next one. A couple good books I have lined up myself. So uh, moving on to uh, get to my speak my guest interview tonight, uh, I'm very excited uh, to speak with uh, a physical therapist who's also a massage therapist. He's a fellow of the Applied Functional Science uh, which is through the Gray Institute, something I'm extremely interested in hearing about. He utilizes NKT, of course, uh, and he's also an elite provider for active release technique. Uh, his professional career spans nearly two decades and includes clinical management, consulting, education, performance, and strength and conditioning. Um, he's also an educator. Uh, he teaches rock tape, uh, f- his fascial highway systems, and also he teaches for the Gray Institute. So tonight, I'm extremely excited to get inside the brain of Adam Wolf. Hey, Adam, how's it going? Good, Eric. Thank you. How are you doing today? I am doing wonderful. I'm happy Busy to be day here. Today. Yeah, here too. Happy to be here with you. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. Again, thanks for joining me. And you know, I always like to tell my listener, the listeners here, that um, you know, the NKT community has got so many different providers of all different, you know creeds and and backgrounds and it's always very inspiring and um you know as i mentioned to you earlier uh you know when you came on board i i was just very impressed by your background your credentials that you're an educator so it's it's always exciting um to have someone like you in our community and hear your perspective on you know how you learned nkt and how you utilize it in your practice so i'm really excited tonight to uh, get inside your brain so thanks again for joining me. Yeah, hey, happy. I'm happy to be here. I, you've got such a great uh, reputation in the uh, NKT community, and being able to listen to your posts and uh, hear what you have to say as I've been struggling with learning it uh, has been really good for me. So thank you. Excellent, excellent. So um, again, you know, another thing that I that I really interests me about different people is your background. So let's start. Um, how did you get interested in the whole movement? Um, industry uh i got in the movement industry probably through my father is the quickest way to say it he owned a health club when i was a kid and uh through him and uh his learnings i kind of would guess learned by osmosis so i went away to college and kind of like that guy that didn't really want anything to do uh with his dad what he was doing got away from exercise science i studied in an undergrad and didn't really want to do it but uh came back to it and uh, as I was sort of getting back into physical therapy, which I, I ended up going back to PT school six years after I went to undergrad, uh, I, I started personal training more. And you know, my father uh, is an educator in the fitness industry. And from there, uh, started learning, you know, movement, learning what he told me to uh, learn and what he thought I should know. He had a couple of DVDs and, you know, uh, educational materials out uh, called Flexibility Highways. And so that's probably what got me in the door. And, uh, you know, that's... Uh, probably what started it for me absolutely 
Excellent. And, uh, you know, your bio says you're a massage therapist. I'm, I'm, we, I'm, I take that you did that before you went to physical therapy Actually, school? Actually, no. I, got, I did that after I was a PT. <laughs> and I came to Chicago it's sort of as I was starting the Gray Institute program and starting my own business and all of those things. Uh, I was I'm enrolled for my DPT, which uh, my master's program was just short of the credit hours needed. So I was enrolled for the DPT and starting to get a lot of people that wanted to pay me cash and not go through insurance and uh, in the state of Illinois, uh, there was a direct access you needed. So even if they wanted to do that, they still needed a doctor's prescription. So I thought, what is this really going to do for me right now? And uh, started doing a little research and was able to get a massage license. I, it was fun. I, I made a deal. I was able to uh, qualify into some of the program and taught for them and took some of the classes that I need at a nice discount. So I ended up getting it act- after, actually. <laughs> so. And, nice. and, and, the, and now people, when they come to me and if they want to pay me cash, I just call it movement conditioning, which it really is. You know, I feel like there's not a if I have a, a license to touch people uh, in any aspect, I get I get it's a gray area, but I'm kind of comfortable with gray areas. And, you know, um, especially because I'm not breaking any laws and everything is, you know, written out and everything like that, of course. And, <laughs> uh, but, you know, on that note, you know, I get a lot of people when I'm teaching that come to me and ask me, hey, I've been a personal trainer for 15 years and I'm kind of frustrated. I think I want to go back to PT school and you know, to start the whole process becomes, you know, sort of a daunting task at the, you know, if you're that far into a career. So I tell people a lot just to go to massage school, because if you understand movement and you have a license to touch people, you know, I think that, uh, that's okay. The problem I have is kind of scope of practice when you're getting people that are not licensed and stepping outside of their bounds. So it's one of the things that I've been talking and actually reading a lot about today on some of the blogs that have been going on. It's kind of, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. So, uh, I, I do. I did see that as well. And that, that is a perfect example of, yeah. of going going outside the scope of yeah. practice. And, yeah. and, and I'm with you on that too. I, I, I teach a lot of trainers and, um, they really get fired up and, you know, they end up going to massage therapy school to, um, you know, to, to make sure that they can do what they need to do outside their, or inside their it's, scope. Yeah. It's so important. You know, I think just that, that, uh, appreciation of what you learn in school uh, becomes really important as you're touching somebody and laying your hands on somebody that you don't, you know, have if you don't have that background and just frankly hours of listening to other really w- wise people on that subject talk. So this is true, amen. So okay, so you finished school. What did you do? Um, what was like some of the post grad work that you did uh, after graduating school that really um, turned you on? Well, I was really fortunate, you know. As I said, like I, I uh, the Gray Institute and the movement stuff. I came to Gary stuff really early. Uh, you know, I, I had dinner with Gary before I really knew who Gary was, and uh, so I it was uh, after school. You know, after I I did do the the gift fellowship program. The Gray Institute has. Uh, a 40 week long online fellowship that really is a PhD in movement science. If you ask me, you know, it's not credentialed as such, but it really solidified my understanding of what three dimensional movement uh, is. So that was a big piece of what I studied for probably like the first six years out of school. I've been a PT for almost nine years, uh, really intensely. I, my second year out of school, I did the gift program. The first year out of school, and real, real quickly, as I became a PT, I uh, worked in an outpatient clinic in Chicago, and my manager of the clinic that I was working at uh, taught for ART, active release technique. And so very quickly, she and they got me certified. And I think within the first nine months, I was full body certified as an ART practitioner. So let me also throw it out there that my uh, bio has changed, and you probably have like a, a bio that's a little older, but uh, I am no longer an uh, elite provider of ART. I did that, mm. and, but I'm not anymore. I just want to throw that out there that I'm not a practitioner of that <laughs> technically. Um, but uh, it's a really great system, and 
you know, it's a great uh, soft tissue management system, I think, combined with, you know, effective movement. Um, it's a great it's a great process. So I just want to throw that out there. So those are the, you know, the big things that I studied very quickly uh, with sort of ART and, and movement and um, kind of went from there, I guess. Excellent. Well, um, again, as I mentioned earlier, the gray Gary Gray stuff is very interesting. So can you give me a, just a, or can you give us a basic idea of what his work is all about? Yeah, Gary Gray is kind of what I consider to be the father of function. He is by a lot of people kind of Yoda is what they call him, except for that he's probably six four. Um, <laughs> he would probably define applied functional science as the merging of the physical, behavioral, and biological sciences, uh, recognizing that the body reacts to what's presented to it, and it reacts to it in sort of a subconscious way. It's sort of there are what he would say drivers of the body. And uh, physical drivers, behavioral drivers, and biological drivers of the body. So an example of a biological driver might be, uh, you know, when I have a a reaction, when I get upset about something that I read on Facebook and I'm too attached emotionally to it and cortisol is released and it creates stress reactions in my body on a sympathetic system, that could be a biological driver. Uh, A behavioral driver could be uh, sort of learned conditions and habits. Uh, You know, my son is on the ground crying and I'm driven to go pick him up emotionally from, you know, behavior. I want to comfort him. Uh, And another example of a behavioral driver could be the patient that gets up off your table every time, moves well, eats well, sleeps well, recovers, all those things, but runs that 12th, 13th mile and they get into pain. They're great till that, you know, hey, Adam, I'm great till 11 miles, but that 12 miles really hurts me. And so obviously we need to understand like what their biomechanical issue is there. But the real question is what behaviorally is driving you to have to run that 12th mile? If you're good at 11, what's the, you know, in my opinion, a lot of like emotional drivers, uh, you know, are behind the behavioral drivers. And then the last one, which is really related to movement would be, uh, the physical driver and physical drivers are, uh, sort of uh, uh, utilizing a body part. The way I describe a a driver of the body when we're talking about movement is utilizing a body part to subconsciously create motion into another body part. And so, for example, if everybody is standing up real tall, listening to this, or if you're driving, don't stand up. But if you're standing real tall and you take, if you look straight ahead and you take your right hand and you rotate it to the right behind you, And so that would be an arm driver. And that arm driver subconsciously creates motion into my cervical spine. If I'm looking straight ahead and I take my right hand and rotate it right behind me, I subconsciously create left cervical rotation. So that would be considered a bottom up driver into the body. And at the same time, when I take that right hand and I rotate right behind me at shoulder height, my left foot goes through pronation and my right foot goes through supination, and so that would be a top-down driver into the, you know, into the joints below. And so that's probably a little bit longer than a, my elevator spiel about what applied functional <laughs> science is. So it's, you know, it's recognizing that the body reacts in three planes of motion, and really what, what it is and what the 40-week-long fellowship program teaches is the strategies, the principles of authentic movement, as, the, as Gary would say, and then the strategies to assess that motion. Because if you know what should happen at any specific task, then you can see if it happens or not. And if it doesn't happen, then we need to ask, well, why isn't it happening? 
And I feel like what I learned in the books and what most of the, you know, what's taught is, is not the why. It's the what, the when, the who, the where. But the why is, uh, I think, what is so powerful about applied functional science is it really allows you to get down to the why very quickly. So I don't know if that's too esoteric or not, but... <laughs> uh, that was perfect. And so where does NKT fit into that with you? For me, NKT has been... Well, let me just kind of back up a little bit more. I, you know, uh, I feel like you know coming to movement really early in... Uh, uh, I feel like I, you know, had the understanding of that and I felt like I had the understanding of the body work, but I didn't really feel like I had a great insight into like the nervous system, kind of the motor control system or whatnot. And felt like I tried to study it, but, you know, frankly thought and still feel like of all the, you know, aspects of the physical therapy outpatient world, that's where I struggle the most. And I'm really putting a lot of my learning into is that neuromuscular control aspect of things. And so, I don't know, probably through Perry is how I heard about NKT. Like so many people, I think I heard about <laughs> Stop Chasing Pain somehow a couple of years ago and got to NKT. And when it came through this past April, I guess, or April of 14 now, is uh, my lady and I went to the level one course uh, in Chicago. And it was really, it was good. It was good for me. And then I took the uh, level two in October with, uh, um, who was it in October? I'm going to get in trouble with the NKT community. It was uh, <laughs> Thomas, Thomas Wells. Wells. Yeah, yeah, who was great. I mean, I was just amazed at like, A, the intensity and how quickly he could rattle it off, sort of like throw up the information is what I thought. And, uh, but he thought quick and really got a lot out of that too. So, you know, for me, NKT is uh, sort of a, been a great check and recheck uh, to what's sort of on and off, what's inhibited, what's facilitated. So, um, you know, sort of a traditional, you know, the way I've been utilizing it is they come in, I work with people on a typically a 45 minute session one-on-one. And so they come in and I'll test, you know, muscle, look at them move always, you know, kind of test different movements, but then through those patterns, lay them down and test, you know, motions or test uh, muscles. Uh, uh, and from there, uh, see what's on and off and try to turn on what's off and off what's on. And, you know, I guess what NKT has really allowed me to do is get to uh, the root cause even a little bit quicker, I feel like, as opposed to having to release the entire cervical spine, uh, which sometimes I still do, um, but I'm doing it with more, you know, thought as to what muscles I'm going to release first and second, you know, but, or, you know, real specifically as to like just what I'm going to release and what do I need to work and stretch and strengthen and all those things. So it's been a good test and retest. So as I work and kind of get things on quicker, uh, get them up and use them, uh, use some movement through them. And then it's been a good, just at the end of the session, lay them back down or test them in the position that I tested them in early. And, you know, ideally everything should stay on. If, if something went off that we worked to stay on, then we stepped over their kind of neuro threshold. Uh, and so that's how it's been really effective for me is just, uh, you know, utilizing it as a test and retest. Awesome. Uh, any other uh, postgraduate work uh, that you've studied as well that you use on a regular basis? Uh, I mean, I, 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 Lenny Parasino is my main educator for the Gray Institute, and Lenny has taken a, a lot of his soft tissue courses. Uh, he's got what's called fu- functional soft tissue transformation courses, and I've sort of learned a lot of that. Um, trying to think I'm sort of spacing right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that's sort of where the focus of, of my studies really were for the for a few years there and uh i think i took a, I took a couple of maitland and mulligan classes and you know that sort of stuff but uh, i took a, a great course that i took was called enhanced running and enhanced hmm. running is uh 
by a chiropractor out of Australia developed it. You need to be a clinician to be an enhanced running tech. And it's basically learned, I learned to uh, seven steps to enhance running. And it's been really amazing. I thought I knew the running, uh, I thought I knew how to assess somebody running real well before, but it's really just changed everything for me in terms of just how quickly I can uh, get somebody's running stride turnaround. So that I studied a lot. Um, I took a, an extremity adjusting course with a great chiropractor named Dan McClure. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, that was mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, October out in Colorado, and that was put on by a great chiropractor who's a mentor of mine named Nick Studholm, who's uh, been a big mm-hmm. influence in my practice, uh, practice, especially when he was the one that encouraged me to do a lot of muscle testing, because uh, mm-hmm. he does a lot of muscle testing as well. It's not NKT, mm-hmm. but some other things that have you know, sort of driven uh, my path, because he does applied functional science as well. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Now, now, where did uh, fascial highway systems come from? I just made it up, frankly. <laughs> yeah, you know, kind of a bunch of uh, amalgamate of things. You know, fascial uh, flexibility highways. Uh, anatomy trains has been big influence in me, like you know, a lot of people, and so I study a lot of that. Uh, Stecco's, you know, fascial manipulations book, and you know, there's all sorts of people that have connections out there. So just a kind of amalgam of, of, of things. It's not nothing that's, uh, you know, I made up really, you know, I guess that the, I, as I say, when I'm teaching, you know, I made none of this information up. I, I, I feel very fortunate to just come to a lot of it very early, um, into my career and feel lucky that I love to learn about it and want to learn more and like to teach. And so, you know, as I say, when I'm teaching, I'll, I'll tell you every, every word, that I got everything from. And if I made something up, I'll tell you what that is. But I think there's one thing that I can think of that I've learned when I teach that I don't know where I learned it from. So everything else I give credit <laughs> to. So. so what do you, so what does that class consist of the fascial highway system? Well, what, it's, what, it's sort what are we of, learning? Well, you're learning the first half of it is you know, probably certainly third of it is didactic information, just sort of assessing what true movement is and how to uh, appreciate it. You know, there are certain truths despite the, uh, background that we come from. There are certain truths that we can't deny. Gravity, you can't argue with it. You know, ground reaction forces. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction, so you can't argue with that. Mass and momentum, you can't argue with those things. And if you think about, you know, what muscle action is, it's not what the books say, which is a shortening uh, first. The, the body reacts to our environment. I say if I'm standing here, which I am, and my quadricep goes out, you know, uh, I'm going to go down to the ground. You know, so it's not that my quadricep extends my knee. My quadricep is going to control my knee from flexing. And that's only in one plane of motion. It also controls it in other planes of motion. So when you think about the body reacts subconsciously to what's around us, uh, that we have to control gravity, ground reaction, mass momentum, that the body's driven through these drivers, then our appreciation of what movement muscle really sort of changes. Uh, no longer do we think that the quadricep has to extend the knee or the hamstring flexes the knee uh, when we're walking. It's sort of actually the exact opposite. You know, uh, if you think about it in that integrated fashion, the calf, the door, uh, the you know plantar flexors as we would call them, it's be- it's best friends with the psoas and the hip flexors on the front of the body, or was Gary Gray would call the front butt. You know, if, if my mm-hmm. calf can't go through dorsiflexion. <laughs> then my hip is never going to be able to go through that hip extension. And, you know, again, it's only one plane of motion. So it doesn't matter. I can have all the length of, that I want in my hip flexor, not that I know anybody that does, but if my calf is tight, I'm never going to be able to get to the hip extension to be able to lengthen that psoas or hip flexor or vice versa. So it's thinking about how these, you know, from the bottom up and top down, uh, how things work. Uh, a great analogy that we talk about is that bones move 
joints feel and muscles react to motion. You know, the, we don't create any forces really in our daily lives. More times than not, you know, of course there's the exception, and that's what makes us all unique. So the first, you know, part of that, we're just talking about what motion is, how to name, you know, defining what a joint is, space between bones, how to look to understand what's really happening in all three planes of motion at each joint in the body. We go through those steps, including having to understand that the, a joint is uh, two bones, it's space between bones. So you got to ask, you know, what two bones make up the joint? You need to ask, are the bones moving in the same direction or opposite direction relative to uh, the plane of motion? And then you need to ask who's moving faster, the top bone or the bottom bone, because bones can move in the same direction, right? So this, the tibia and the femur, which make up the knee, uh, you know, the patella is just along for the ride, uh, but the tibia and the femur can all both move right, but they can move right and they, they can go at the same speed, which means that the joint isn't feeling any motion, or they can both move right and the bottom can go faster than the top, or they can move right and the top can go faster than the bottom, and in all three instances the joint is feeling something different so it talks about real and relative motions that's a really big piece to it so that's probably like the first i don't know three hours or so and then from there we talk about flexibility highways is what i've chosen to use just because i think it makes it really easy to assess and look at some easy connections of the body so we go through five or six flexibility highways and talk about motions that uh, incorporate the anterior flexibility, posterior flexibility, very synonymous with anatomy trains or any of the others that are out there, uh, and how to regress and progress those assessments and exercises. And that sort of takes us to around lunch. And then the rest of the day, we, you know, we come back and just sort of go body part by body part, talking about connections of the body, the, the hip-shoulder relationship, which is so, so important uh, to understand. Um, and then just sort of go body part by body part. You know, how can we, from an integrated perspective, uh, assess the body part through manual work, or as manual, manual is kind of what we do, or how we're going to work, uh, from a manual perspective, from a movement perspective, and from a neuro perspective is kind of, I've heard Gary say, I think, uh, melt, mold, move. That's sort of what I'm always thinking, you know, melt, mold, move. That's kind of what I do on every 45 minutes, uh, try to find the area, assess the area that's not really moving very well, uh, melting it, mold it to the way that I want to relative to the rest of the system, and then move them through that chain to load that entire system in, you know, from an integrated perspective to control it, assuming, of course, they have the control in that muscle to, uh, you know, to, to control the motion. And if not, then we need to understand that integration isn't always the best way, and we need to back it up a little bit and understand that there's a spectrum of integrated to isolation and I can choose anywhere that I need to be on it. In fact, the more I understand integration, the less I feel the need to use it. I'm more selective. I've been using a lot more you know, kind of isolated integration or flat out isolate, uh, isolation, you know, if the case needs to, needs to be, if the muscle needs to be strong. So that's sort of the course. It's a one day course right now. It's too much information to be a one-day course. It needs to be a two-day course, so hopefully soon. <laughs> um, but it's a lot of fun to teach. I really like it. I love to just talk about movement in general, and I geek out about it probably too much. And it's been really fun for me to sort of struggle with the integration of how to applied functional science integrates in with NKT. Because, um, you know, that for me, that big piece was, well, you know, in integration, if we think about the body doesn't know what a muscle is, it knows what a movement is and how to control it. And then we think about that muscles, in my opinion, are really a man-made construct. Your body doesn't know what a hamstring is. Uh, I heard Lenny Parasino say, you know, 
I heard him ask, how many oceans are there? One or seven. I love that. I ask my patients that all the time. And of course, everybody says seven. And you say, well, there's really one body of water. There's, you know, man, man is divided into seven oceans. And sometimes we need to know if we're going to be in the Pacific Northwest versus Miami Beach because we need to pack differently. Sometimes it's okay just to know that we're in the Caribbean. And so I don't, I've gotten less anatomy driven as I've gotten more of an understanding of body work and tensions and tissue and how to integrate it into three dimensionality and movement. And it is important sometimes to know if I'm on the flexor halysis versus another muscle, but sometimes it's just okay to know that we're following tension on the front of the arm there so, or the front of the foot. So well, that's you awesome, got me man. going I there, man. That. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was <laughs> great. I love, I'm ready to sign up for the yeah, class right now. Good, well, good. <laughs> so cool. Well, you know, as you talk about that, then I, I could see um, how you would be attracted to rock tape. Yeah, rock tape is, you know, good. At first, I was kind of like, well, I'll tape in and I don't need another piece. But rock tape, it's really, you know, I love the concept that they have with movement and uh, really understanding that we're taping a movement and not a muscle, you know, with that not understand or not knowing what a muscle concept is. So it's been fun for me to, you know, just start taping. I'm just about to, you know, kind of do my first course here. It was in uh, Colorado last weekend, which is a lot of fun, and uh, learned a lot from those guys. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a great tool for me to sort of reinforce movement patterns that I want a patient to go through. You know, besides the decompressive and the pain control, uh, you know, aspects of the tape. So it's been fun, especially with NKT. You know, as I was saying, as I got going, I lost, I, I stopped my train of thought there. But for me, NKT with that. Uh, you know, testing muscles I've, I've, uh, versus AFS, which is really just understanding movements and there is no muscles. Well, how, how do those two sort of integrate and link up? And for me, uh, A, I've reconciled it with we're really just testing muscle regions of the brain that we as men to make it easy for ourselves is classified out. So I guess I'm a little bit more okay with that. And then uh, also like one of the things that I think about is, well, how does isolated or how could isolated concentric production of muscle force take place first, you know, because the other thing that uh, applied functional science talks about is the body lengthens before it shortens. And so that's, you know, a big piece of it. You got to go opposite first. And uh, from the concentric, the way the book talks about it, concentric muscle shortening first, there is no lengthening, there is no load of the proprioceptors and all those pieces. So when uh, I've struggled with when that concentric action might need to take place. And the way that I've reconciled, if, you know, motion needs to be synchrony as where the body's moving, uh, Lenny, again, I keep referencing Lenny, but he's been such a big influence on me. He talks about motion as a synchronous dissociation of body segments. And if things aren't moving, you know, sequentially and synchronously, the, for the body to react and load to, that the concentric muscle action is going to take place to sort of resync up the system. And the example that I kind of have in my head is the popliteus, which is sort of a big NKT muscle from what I can tell from all the posts. And it's always facilitated more times than not, right? So if you've got, let's say, a really flat foot or a really rigid foot and the subtalar joint can't go through pronation, then when that, the calcaneus doesn't evert for the talus to drop down and in for the tibia to follow along with it internally, for the, t- uh, you know, if the, if the tibia can't get there to re- to you know, to go through that internal rotation, the popliteus is going to could concentrically fire to get the femur to resync up to the system. And that's sort of where I've kind of think about, think about, well, the only muscle in the lower extremity that creates knee flexion, abduction and internal rotation is the popliteus. 
then that sort of makes sense to me. The rest of, you know, knee flexion, abduction, and internal rotation, when your foot hits the ground, that's what happens. And it's given for free. Your body has to control that motion. And if it can't control it really well, then the popliteus could fire too hard to resync up the system. So that in my head, and, you know, there's no studies out there or anything like that. But, you know, I've talked to people and some people are like, yeah, you're right on. Some people are like, no, that makes no sense. But <laughs> that's what I got in my head. No, I'm with you on that. I mean, in fact, you know, we try, even though we teach individual muscles and all that, but we're definitely trying to progress it to more of testing for movement. Yeah, I mean, and we just I think happen you to name to, it. Yeah, you name it. And I think you have to do that, especially like in the level one course to get everybody on the same page. So, I mean, it makes yes. sense. Excellent, yeah. excellent. Yeah, and that's I just like the way you put it together, though. That's amazing. And you know, earlier we talked um, before uh, we got on the, on the on uh, recording here is um, talked about the uh, anatomy in motion, Gary Ward's work, and what you're saying about Gary Gray stuff is very. There's a lot of overlap there, and they really uh, sound very similar. Yeah, I'm not. You know, other than from what I've heard, really, frankly, from the community, it's uh, I haven't really been familiar with uh, Gary Ward's work, but I saw his book. It looks pretty interesting, and. Yeah, Gary Gray. It's kind of the Gary's, right? It's so funny, the functional guys. But uh, Gary Gray's, yeah, I've been a PT for like 30, I don't know, 38, 40 years yeah. now at this point. So, so. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. This stuff really is amazing and really uh, interests me. So um, why don't you um, give us an idea of how you, you know, what your visit looks like as far as your assessment and how you break it down? Well. So someone, co- someone comes in um, with, I don't know, what's a common thing you say? Tell me about a case you saw today. A case that I saw today, I'm trying to think, uh, I saw, that's so funny, I'm like on the spot and I can't think. Interesting, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I see a lot of foot pain, I okay. see a lot of knee pain, you know, I think like the, the big three areas for me, knee pain, low back pain, interchangeable shoulder or neck, those are probably the top big three for me, and um, so I always think about what's the foot doing, what's the hip doing, and what's the thoracic spine doing. Uh, you know, the site of the injury isn't really the cause of the injury. It's the result of something not doing what it needs to do, which means something above it or below it needs to do too much. So, you know, in my experience, and one of the things that AFS talks about is you know, really solidifying the understanding of what the foot, hip and thoracic spine are doing in all three planes of motion. And so, I mean, I sound like a broken record all day, man. I'm sure you understand <laughs> what I'm, what I'm talking about, Eric, right? That's like, I feel like I say a lot of the same things, but, um, you know, I watch people, everybody that I start with walks, you know, I look at them play with planes of motion and how they walk. Um, uh, from there, I'll, you know, I have a true stretch or put them in a position where I can sort of uh, isolate a body part out um, from an, like in a standing position and just sort of move it around, wiggle it in three planes of motion, see what's happening. And, and I'm always thinking what's supposed to be moving faster or what's supposed to be moving slower and is it or not. Um, you know, try to tell everybody, you know, take through lunges. So have them do some sort of balance or structural, uh, a balance reach or a, a, a excursion to sort of test joint motion or, you know, versus a neural control and sort of try to identify areas that aren't moving well, lay them down on the table. I do a lot of body work. Um, so that, you know, that assessment, probably, I don't know, three or four minutes at the most in the beginning and, you know, work on areas. I'll test them, you know, lay them down on the table and test what I'm seeing to make sure it's sort of uh, aligning and, then just try to put the pieces together in the patterns, you know, do some NKT. I do a lot of body work. Um, from there, get them up, sort of move them through areas from, you know, try to take them from a being, you know, I, I, I tend to think you got to increase mobility first, then stabilize it. So tend to find those areas that are less stable and, um, 
try to make them or try that are too stable and try to make them less stable and then reinforce it neuromuscularly through a movement control, a movement pattern that, you know, they can control that looks quality that um, isn't overstepping their, their thresholds. So I don't know. That's very gen- generic. I don't even, you know, this is, <laughs> I, I've been using tape more, you know, after, you know, uh, different kinds of tape, you know, uh, yesterday somebody came in with uh, a, they broke their foot uh, and had knee pain in both knees and uh, she has a bunion. She broke her foot out on 11 months ago. And for just a super, super rigid mid-tarsal joint, sort of getting a, uh, a bunion, I'm sorry, a uh, Morton's neuroma, kind of that ner- nervy pain. So uh, her knees were hurting. She had like no hip abduction. Uh, her in- she had inhibition of her hip abductors and her psoas and a couple other things. So I really worked on the kind of just what I call getting the gunk out of the tissue, like in that midfoot. Um, and got her cuneiforms moving really well. And interestingly enough, just getting her mid-tarsal joint moving really well on that side, really, it, it got her hip abductors uh, a little bit more online or facilitated. So there's such a key, in my opinion, between that mid-tarsal joint motion and strong uh, uh, hip abductors. So did that did some body work on her uh, quads, which were just so gunked up, and really worked on her hips and got her up and started moving her around, t- teaching her just to lunge in all three planes of motion and uh, just sort of a movement pattern. I always think about it. I kind of, one of the things I talk about with my uh, patients is sort of three buckets of exercises. And the first bucket is the daily bucket. And in the daily bucket, there's no more than like two or three things in that bucket. Uh, the second bucket is sort of the warm up bucket. So before you're going to go run or walk or bike or garden or, you know, whatever you like to do, you're going to go through some of your first bucket exercises, but then sort of you know, a step past what those would be a little bit more intense, integrated, uh, a lot of lunge patterns with reaches in different directions. And then the third bucket I sort of think of as a traditional balance and or strength bucket. So when you're at the gym or you've gone through your first bucket and you're warmed up and you want a little bit more, you're not stuck with the same, you know, five exercises that you did in physical therapy. So we try to, you know, I always think like push, pull core, try to get people integrated planks that they, you know, to their thresholds or presses to their thresholds or, you know, just sort of lunging and reaching to certain places. Um, and, and one of my goals is always just to give, you know, as I say to the people, I want to give you the tools to never have to do the same workout twice in a row and still be able to, you know, hit all the important body parts in all three planes of motion. So. Hmm. Nice. I like that. And, and how about yoga? I know you, um, you practice yoga, correct? Yeah, I do. Well, yeah, yoga is, I mean, just on a personal level has been, um, you know, the biggest game changer for me. I found it a pretty low point in my life and, sort of always poo-pooed it, but, you know, I, I feel like there's so many similarities to applied functional science and integrated movement, not only from the mind-body-spirit perspective, but uh, just the movement application perspective. So, it, you know, it not only influences sort of everything that I do on a personal level, I feel really lucky, you know, um, for a bunch of reasons, including I, I met my, my lady through yoga, and um, uh, I feel like I get to practice all day long. I really do. I practice with my patients consciously try to be mindful of it. It's, you know, yoga's taught me to be mindful a little bit more uh, and just, you know, more aware of my aspects. Uh, but I also feel like I get to practice uh, my yoga practice. I feel like I get to practice, you know, being a, you know, a father and, you know, a spouse and all those things. So um, it's, you know, influenced much just my whole mindset. In fact, you know, I just, uh, funny, Eric, as you say, I, I just read that book, Mindset, last week, and uh, <laughs> I had it in my bag as I was traveling, and it was one of the things that I really like to talk about, like fixed versus growth mindsets, you know, and really being like a static learner, and I've learned everything I can versus a dynamic learner, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a good mindset to have. 
Yeah, without a doubt. Excellent. And um, also um, in your uh, little bio here, you talk about music and how much you uh, enjoy music and how you incorporate it uh, with your courses as well. Can you talk a little bit about that? I think, you know, yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm some huge music head. You know, I'm always listening to music and I feel like that I need to be able to sort of bob my head all the time. And um, it's just sort of background. It's just influence. It's just it touches my soul. It always has. I sort of joke that in a you know, on that yogic perspective and reincarnation and karma, I think in a former life, I, I was a bass player in a funk band. But recently, <laughs> nice. I feel like I was in a Nigerian <laughs> funk band, like in the mid 70s, because I absolutely <laughs> love Nigerian funk from like the mid 70s. It's sort of my kid right nice. now. So, so just yeah, sort of Cootie? I love Fela. Yeah, I was just listening to him. Yeah. He's amazing. And the, the black president, as they called him. And uh, mm. yeah, he's great. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you even hear how James Brown was influenced by him. And I love James and, you know, got a bunch of funk and soul. And But I think this movement and music have a, a tremendous amount of uh, similarities between the two. Um, even, you know, one of the, when I'm teaching, I give a definition of music, sort of the first one I give, which I gave to you already, which is, uh, you know, a synchronous dissociation of body parts. But then I talk about, uh, you know, it being of rhythmic quality and character. And actually, the second definition that I talk about movement is movement relative to music. It's a definition of movement in terms of music that I've found from Miriam Webster. So it's just it needs to be music needs to be synchronous. And, uh, you know, if, it, if it's not, then there's a cacophony. It doesn't sound right. So I try to kind of struggle with playing the bass. I actually gave myself a rip roaring case of, <laughs> of uh, lateral epicondylitis. I just jammed my radial head uh, really, uh, distally. I was playing. I progressed too fast. I hadn't played in a while and just jammed myself up for like six months. So I'm not just getting over it and starting to play again. So, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, kind of, I'm sure you understand. Like, I work on everybody but hardly get work done. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. So self-care yeah, yeah, is important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. And um, so also, I kind of skipped over you. So you teach a course for the Gray Institute? I teach, you know, well? I, well, I, I'm teaching, yes, you know, I've t- taught some courses for them. I'm teaching for them on February 7th in Chicago. It's, uh, they have one day what they call live function courses. And so uh, I'm teaching a live function of the hip in early February in Chicago. And I've taught, a, I taught, you know, I did the 40 week gift program and then I'm, uh, I was a facilitator for them. Uh, as well, kind of assisting people that were going through the program. And then I've assisted and taught uh, some of their other courses at times. And it was just fortunate for me, actually, uh, somebody in Chicago is a trainer that I know that wanted to bring a course, asked me if I could arrange it. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm honored to teach for them, you know, such a powerful name in the industry. Such yeah, a big geez. influence for me, too. So Definitely. So, like, so what does a hip course uh, in, in, uh, consist of? Well, you know, apply just the, the – uh, the tenets of applied functional science, which, you know, I've mentioned a lot of those and just, you know, relative to the hip assessment, uh, treatment, conditioning strategies relative to the hip, uh, you know, define the hip and how it relates to the rest of the body, even up to, you know, certainly into the thoracic spine and shoulder and neck and foot and knee. And when you're talking about the hip, well, then you're talking about the knee because the hip is also in the knee through the femur. And if you're talking about the hip, then you're talking about the low back because the hip is made up of the pelvis as well. And so just kind of that integrated thought. And the Gray Institute talks about, you know, Gary calls it the front butt, side butt and back butt just to make it easy. Everybody says the hip. It's like, well, what are you talking about on your hip? And people are, you know, pointing at their other joint and they point to the to the uh, bursa on the side you know, the lateral aspect of their hip. And well, that's not really the hip. So just to make things easy. You know, obviously, the hips in the front of the joint, the, bone, the joints in the front. So front butt, back butt, side butt. And just talking about that and how it uh, relates into movement, how you can assess it, and just really the firming up the understanding of how, well, that person that comes in with uh, anterior shoulder impingement, 
uh, that you know doesn't get a ton of thoracic extension and has a really tight front of their butt, you know, tight hip, and when they reach out of the dishwasher to put something up overhead and they impinge the front of their shoulder, well, that if you can get a little bit more hip extension, then that shoulder blade is going to rock posterior tilt a little bit more and ride down the shoulder blade, uh, the, the spine a little, and so then it's going to clear for the shoulder not to impinge as you're going through flexion. So it's just sort of that that understanding of um, you know, you don't always have to go to the site of the pain. It's not always the cause of the pain. You know, as I call myself, uh, you know, my Facebook page is the biomechanical detective, and that's really kind of, you know, victims scream and criminals remain silent. And so <laughs> we got to make that knee that's screaming feel better. They're their knee, but we got to go catch the criminals, which is, uh, uh, you know, the foot or the hip most likely. I mean, sometimes the thoracic spine, so. Uh, awesome yeah good stuff man great great good stuff now when you came to nkt obviously you had a lot of experience and stuff with all this uh what kind of struggles did you have when you were learning well like you know up until recently i've always been alone in my learning i've always you know treated alone for the past six or seven years so just sort of having somebody that i can bounce some ideas off of was sort of frustrating for me you know fortunately Um, My lady took the course with me and kind of through the NKT community in Chicago, which is super strong through Marissa and everyone else, um, you know, learn learn through them. Um, Struggles with just sort of the application of, you know, I guess fine tuning the tests and uh, kind of putting the pieces together a little bit. I felt like even though like I understand like integrated movement and the connections through the body. You know, in theory, laying somebody down and sort of testing, oh, a QL is not working. Oh, an opposite hip's not working. Oh, the foot, you know, and being able to piece it together initially and still is frankly, uh, hmm. a struggle for me. So, uh, you know, it takes me sometimes I'm like, well, I'm, you know, it's the fourth session. And I'm like, well, I'm so sorry that I didn't see that on session two. Uh, you know, <laughs> I should have seen that. I missed it. So. Uh, yeah. yeah, we're all learning. We're all yeah, learning. Absolutely. That's for sure. Yeah, cool. Absolutely. Cool. Uh, do you have any advice? I always like to ask people for advice. Any things that, that um, you've done to help you uh, learn the process a little bit easier? The process of NKT? Yes. Uh, yeah, you know, I guess find a process. You know, there's a James Brown song. Actually, it's a Bobby Bird song, but Bobby was James Brown's main guy. Uh, but uh, it's this, basically, it's, it's how you're going to get respect. You haven't got your process yet. And I talk about that a lot when I'm teaching and, uh, you know, just got to stay with it and stick with it and find your process. And, you know, I think master a couple of relationships first. I think that, you know, especially when I was starting out, just, I felt like it was overwhelming. I, you know, quite honestly, between you and me, I, I didn't really focus on the shoulder or the neck that much. I just felt like I really got to the core and the, uh, the, the legs. And obviously I was missing a ton, but I think that I just, <laughs> you know, and whether I'm not yeah. know if anybody should do that or not, but just that, just the process of, you know, starting to find relationships. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I always tell my students. I, I, I didn't te- <laughs> I didn't test the TVA for like my first four months. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> so, but yeah. Which now it's funny. I tested on everybody. Every yeah, single exactly. Visit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. so yes, get a system, have a process. Excellent. All right. Well, let's, as we're winding down here, one, you know, one thing that I thought caught my attention here is, uh, your interest in quantum physics. Yeah, well, I mean, what's that? What's that all about? Well, we create our own realities. I know in my own life, like when I listen to myself, and uh, either way it tends to go the way that it should. Or and if I don't listen to myself, it doesn't work out. And, and I firmly believe that we create our own realities just based on our learned thought processes. And uh, you know, I feel like it's you know, as I feel better in my career. Uh, and more comfortable with myself. I feel more comfortable like calling people out on it. I mean, it's not 
a coincidence when people walk in hunched over, crunched up, you know, brow furrowed, in a bad mood, with a lot of pain, stuck in a cycle, you know, and it's perpetuated by their mindsets and everything that goes along with it. So just sort of understanding that I think has been pretty powerful for me and, uh, you know, at least given me a, a good perspective at least on my life. I can't speak about anything else. So. <laughs> Nice. And, um, you know, one thing, as you as you just talked about someone with a little emotional thing, um, how about breathing? You know, how much does that factor into uh, what you do? Well, I, I mean, I, I thank you for bringing that up because I think that, you know, NKT has really gotten me to look at that a lot more, I think. And, you know, obviously it's so, so important and just uh, understanding, you know, the diaphragm relationship to everything and, you know, br- proper breathing patterns. So it's it's been a lot bigger of an influence for me in the past, you know, year, certainly. And, you know, I think probably one of the things that I referenced earlier when I said I sort of took a step back from function is uh, that's probably one of the main ways. And, you know, other ways that it's, uh, you know, somebody uh, movement patterns that I choose to do and whether or not I have them inhale or exhale or hold their breath and for what reasons. So it's taken it just sort of a step further for me. It's um, let alone like the yogic aspect and the pranayama, which is so good just for mindfulness and awareness. And, you know, I'm sort of a hothead and try to not react to everything, but it's hard, you know, kind of respond as I say, but you know, one of the things that's done for me is just, Hey, you know, I'm not breathing right now. And look at how pissed off or upset I am about it. So breathe, take a breath and take a step back and analyze the situation and think about what you're putting out there. And, uh, you know, so for me, breathing has been really important, but also to, you know, even feel more comfortable pointing that type of thing out to patients. As I said, like I felt like mm. um, at first I probably wasn't comfortable enough in my career to do so, but now I feel like I am. And uh, I don't mind calling people out on some of those uh, aspects about, uh, you know, the mindset and, and how it is so, so important. You know, there's times Definitely. that I feel like I can't affect any physical change, but if I can uplift them emotionally or spiritually or whatever it is, then they leave feeling better, then that's something, you know, because that's setting forward, you know, a feed forward mechanism, hopefully, as opposed to a negative feedback loop. So Definitely. Excellent. Yeah. And, you know, breathing, it's amazing how much I spend every day working with people on how to breathe properly. People really, don't even, it's jacked it's up. They have no idea how, okay, breathe four seconds in through your nose and four seconds out through your nose, right? It's amazing how people just can't even do it, Not, let alone yeah. do it from their diaphragm. Oh yeah, it's it's a mess, but it's pretty neat though when they when they get it or when they at least realize how important it is. It's definitely an interesting absolutely, moment, right absolutely. there. Absolutely, and then I mean, there's some great applications through rock tape that I've learned that you know just to sort of get people to uh, you know up regulate or down regulate most of the time their their diaphragm and or just even from a uh, feedback perspective about oh I need to breathe here into my this part or whatnot. So yeah, it's it's super important, obviously. Mm. Excellent. Well, as we wind down here, um, wow, you said some amazing things. I'm definitely going to have to listen to this a couple I'm times. Too. I hope it makes sense. I kind of, we kind of got going here. I, might, you know, I hope I didn't psych everybody out and freak them out. Uh, no, man, I'm fired up to take your class, yeah, man. Uh, you're definitely uh, very, uh, very interesting stuff. I like what you're saying. I like your uh, philosophy. It makes complete sense to me. Um, so what, speaking of classes, what, what, what's your schedule looking like? Yeah, I was just, uh, I, I knew you were going to ask that. So I wrote them down and I was like, wow, there's kind of got a lot booked here. So yeah, I've got something coming up. Um, I'm teaching the fascial highway course, January 23rd and 24th and El Paso and Albuquerque. And then I'm in Chicago on February 7th for the great Institute. And then I teach February 2021 
in Lexington, Kentucky, in Evansville, Indiana. That's the Fashel Highway course. And I think as of today, I got a Fashel Highway course booked in northern New Jersey. You're in northern Jersey, right? That's where, uh, that's that's where you are, right? Uh, I'm in South Jersey, South but, Jersey uh, which is the know, good part of Jersey. Close enough. The South, South is the Okay, yeah. Well, I'm, I got a course <laughs> in Jersey. I don't know where it is yet, but uh, probably February. Uh, and I teach for Rock Tape March 14th and 15th in Chicago, which I'm thrilled about because that's a, my home nice. base. And uh, March 27th, 28th for Ohio, uh, in Ohio, I teach for Rock Tape. And April 4th, I teach for Rock Tape again in Chicago. That's a new course they're doing. It's PMT. It's really cool. It's uh, basically bands, balls, and rolls with uh, hmm. the thought process of you know neuromuscular control with the tape. So that's I'm really excited about that one. And then I teach uh, April 11th, 12th in Chicago. For, and then May 2nd and 3rd, I'm excited about teaching in Northern California at the NorCal Fitness Summit. And then um, – uh, that PMT course again while I'm out there. So a lot booked through the first half of the yeah. year. And so I didn't even realize it. Yeah, down. you're all over the place That's too. Good, you know, wow, it's, I, I like awesome. teaching and I like the balance of uh, teaching and being a clinician. I'll always be a clinician, and but uh, I don't ever only want to be a clinician because I want to be able to do it for a long time and not get burnt out. And frankly, yeah. you know, it's fun to get out there and, you know, share the information because I feel so fortunate to have come to it early. And, you know, that's, it. that's what I say to everybody. I just, I, I came to it early. I feel lucky to, you know, want to learn it and know it fairly well at this point in my career. And the fun thing about it is the more I learn about it, the more I'm like, man, there's, I just need to know more about this and NKT and applied functional science. There's just, uh, you can dive down the rabbit hole really easily. <laughs> this is true. Well, well, thank you again. Uh, yeah, uh, any other, any other comments you have to say you'd like to share? No, with I just, us you know, before? I'm just, yeah. I'm amazed at the, uh, community of NKT. It's really so tight and it's so impressive and, uh, you know, I'm happy to be a part of it and, just excited to continue to learn, you know, it's, it's a, it's a journey for me. So awesome, man. Well, it was an absolute pleasure uh, getting to know you a little bit here. I I look forward to uh, any time, man. And I look forward to learning from you in person. It'll be great. Uh, So uh, thanks again for, uh, for joining me here on episode 25. Excellent. Uh, Pleasure. Happy anniversary, by the way, year one. I feel excited. 25 and the first year. I know that's pretty exciting here. So excellent. Well, let me just uh, wind down by just saying my teaching schedule coming up. Uh, I'll be teaching a level one NKT class in March. Uh, in Denver. Uh, I'll be teaching, oh, also I'll be in Charlotte as well too, uh, Washington, D.C. in April. In May, looks like I'll be back in Arizona. And uh, June, I will be teaching in South Jersey as well as in Atlanta, uh, Michigan in August for a level one. I'll be doing a level two in New Jersey as well. Uh, and then in October, I will be uh, teaching in Amsterdam. Very excited about that. That should be a good time. Looking forward to connecting with a lot of the uh, our European uh, practitioners out there. Uh, also, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that we will be having our NKT's first ever symposium next or this September in San Diego. So hopefully, uh, I will we will meet a lot of you in person. Uh, as always, your feedback is greatly appreciated, so feel free to send me an email at CairoRehab at Hotmail.com or just connect with me on Facebook. I'm there uh, a majority of the time. That's actually probably the quickest way to get a message to me. Uh, make sure you uh, like the Inside the Brain Facebook page. And again, uh, thank you for joining me uh, for this excellent interview tonight, and I look forward to uh, speaking to you guys again soon.